Hi, voice teachers. It is Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, podcast number 26, is all about effective lesson pacing for young singers. Great lesson pacing in the private teaching studio is challenging for any discipline. There are so many things we need to consider when facilitating a fun, educational, vocal music curriculum. So this needs to be a two-part podcast. So the first part is about student-focused teaching really being present for our students and teaching to their individual needs. The second part, we are sharing 10 kid and teacher tested activities, games and exercises for your young singers. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, resources for private, classroom and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hi there, voice teachers. Thank you so much for joining me today on our podcast. Uh, For those of you who are new, my name is Nikki Loney. I am from Full Voice Music, and the Full Voice podcast is for awesome teachers who are working with young singers. Today's topic is a very important one, lesson pacing. How do you feel about the flow of your lessons? Do you have a routine that is really working? Um, How much time do you spend on warm-ups, on theory, on ear training? Do you even have time for theory and ear training? Do you stay on track with your intended curriculum or do you get pulled off course? I get pulled off course all the time. We get a lot of questions from teachers uh, here at the Full Voice office about lesson pacing, about putting in more uh, more stuff into a curriculum for, for a young boy student. And I know that this question comes up a lot on the teacher forum. So I thought we would put all of our research, all of our feedback from teachers, and I am constantly torturing my colleagues and polling them with their experiences. So I've got a lot of great information for you today. Lots of teacher takeaways. So lesson pacing in general. Um, for private lessons is time consuming. There's no shortcuts here. And um, there's no magic formula either. And uh, especially when you are catering to the individual, um, there's no one size fits all. And uh, one of my colleagues uses this analogy. He said lesson pacing is kind of like you're a juggler, except that you're juggling a few plates with a few balls. And maybe one of the balls is on fire. And maybe you are balancing on a unicycle uh, and you're being chased by zombies. (laughs) I want to thank Chris for that one. That's pretty accurate. There are so many things that we are trying to manage when we are uh, putting our curriculums together. So effective lesson pacing is an art of managing, well, first of all, managing your studio yearly calendar your recitals, performance opportunities. Maybe your studio is about um, examinations and competitions. So your pacing has to work to get those kids ready for those performance opportunities. Um, But we need to plan out our studio calendar really mindfully and really take into the needs and considerations, not only of our students, but of ourselves. Um, so a perfect example is, you know, my high school students, they have a big musical theater production in April 
And the kids that are involved in that, I don't put them into their exams if they're interested in doing exams for the June session. They're not going to be ready. That's too much. And I learned that the hard way. Um, and I also mindfully choose when my Christmas recital is. I try to do it really close to the beginning of December because I know how busy families are in during the Christmas holidays. So I, I put a lot of thought into that. Now, I can't always accommodate everyone, but I do my best. Juggling, juggling, juggling. Now, the... The demographics, as your demographics in your teaching studio change, your yearly calendar will change. And um, uh, it, it really depends on who you're working with and what opportunities you want for them. And looking at your year and planning ahead, that, that's really, really important. Now, mindful student-focused teaching, being really, really present and watching your students closely and teaching to their needs, not our egos. There, I said it. That's a whole podcast in itself. Every student is unique. Every student is learning at a different pace. There is no one lesson that fits all. And we can make better choices to really serve our students. And sometimes that means what we really would like to see them doing isn't necessarily what we are working on, not in the beginning. Now, the other challenge in lesson pacing for voice teachers is choosing appropriate repertoire. Ooh, repertoire. <laughs> we've already done a whole bunch of podcasts about repertoire. Are you in a repertoire rut? Uh, we've had some experts come in and talk about appropriate repertoire in musical theater and in jazz. Those are great podcasts. Repertoire is such a challenge. Um, but on top of that, a well-balanced curriculum for young singers includes the music basics. Yeah, they need to learn theory and ear training and music reading skills before you can really dive into a lot of repertoire. We're going to talk about that. And if you're dealing with beginners, if you're dealing with young kids, your lesson pacing needs to include a lot of review. Sometimes we get wrapped up in the constantly moving forward. And it was actually at a piano teacher workshop where the presenter was talking about just the habits that we get into. You know, why do we need to flip the page and start a new song each and every week? They might not be ready for that. And I thought that was really uh, a really good point that was made and uh, sometimes sometimes you know kids are assigned two three little piano pieces it's not always the best lesson pacing and I thought that was a really good point that he made in the workshop now um, flexibility you can have all this stuff going on but really you need to be flexible you need to have backup plans a B, C, D, E, and so on. Because even if you are the most organized, forward-thinking, planned, experienced teacher, well, things change. Your students get sick. You know, you had plans to work on a song and they're just getting over cold. So you got to do something else. Um, maybe a student comes in, they ask a great question, and you kind of get pulled off topic. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And sometimes performance opportunities, they pop up. The, the student comes in and, and now they want to audition for the school musical. Well, now you got to kind of put things on hold and help them get ready for that. So there are so many things that can kind of change our plans. And again, there's a fine line between staying on course and catering to the student. 
lots of things come up. Now, here's a really good question. I really want you to think about this. How do you know when your lesson pacing is working? Now, I believe if your lesson pacing is working for you, uh, the, the main thing is your students are having fun and they are progressing in your music lessons. And they're progressing at their individual pace. It doesn't mean that they're flying through all everything. And that is one of the the big mistakes that we make as teachers is that we judge our students and our, our worth as teachers on how fast a student progresses. That is not where you need to go with your thinking. That, that never serves anyone well. Not you, the teacher, and not the student. Now, are your students leaving your studio with a smile on their face? I hope so. Music's supposed to be fun. Singing's supposed to be fun. That's a good way to gauge. Are your students, you know, feeling good about, about their lesson? Do they leave with a smile? Are they becoming more confident in their abilities? They might not be... be progressing, wow, progressing quickly, but are they becoming more confident? And here's a really good thing. Are you enjoying working with your students? That goes a long way to telling if your pacing is working. Now, let's flip that around. How do you know if your lesson pacing is not working? Okay, this is a tough one, but I'm going to ask the hard questions here. Are you stressed out? Are you getting frustrated with your students? And here's another one. Are you physically or mentally exhausted at the end of your teaching day? You are the driver of your bus. So if you are wrecked, if you are vocally tired at the end of the day, might want to look at how you're pacing your day and your, your lessons. Are your students stressed out? Are they leaving your, your teaching studio uh, feeling more burdened than when they came in? That's, that's not good. And here's one that we really always have to look at, but are you losing students? Now, students quit for many reasons, absolutely, but sometimes it has to do with our lesson pacing, and it can go either way. If you are giving them too much and they're overwhelmed, they'll quit, and if you're not giving them enough, if your students are bored or they're not challenged enough, they're going to quit too. Now, one of the things that I did um, quite a few years ago, actually, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made, and it totally changed my lesson pacing, um, was uh, I, for many years, for about 10 years, was very active in, my, in, in competitions with my studio, and my, with my students. And um, there were two local festivals one in the fall and one in the spring. And I like festivals. I think they are a great opportunity for students to to have some goals, to get some performance experience, to see other singers. But what I started noticing in the last few years that uh, my students were participating is that my students were just so overcommitted, overextended, that they weren't properly prepared. And I was stressed out and donating hours of my time to try and get these poor, stressed, stressed out, overcommitted, overextended students ready for these festivals. And I was frustrated and I was tired and I and my students weren't having fun and the parents weren't having fun. And I finally came to the decision that I wasn't going to do that anymore. 
And I put a lot more effort into putting on really fantastic recitals. Now, that's a decision that I made for me and for my studio. But sometimes we have to take into consideration, um, are they actually getting benefit from all of this stuff that we're providing for them? And I didn't see the benefit. I saw stressed out kids who weren't singing well. And uh, uh, I was stressed out. I wasn't enjoying teaching. And that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, now, uh, when we're talking about lesson pacing for young singers, the biggest thing that we have to really address and recognize is that lesson pacing for young singers is different. Now, here is the great divide. Here is the controversy. Here's... Here is the thorn in my side. So many voice teachers don't want to work with kids. And they they don't want to work with kids. Now I'm doing air quotes here because they feel that they are not ready for lessons. Now I wholeheartedly, 100% disagree with that statement. Now you can have preferences to the ages that you wish to work with. Absolutely. I encourage that. If you know who you love working with, go for it. But the only thing that young singers aren't ready for is lesson pacing or lesson planning that is based solely on repertoire development. Young singers, beginner singers need so much more than just repertoire. Now you can have a young student that um, maybe is really good at reading and maybe they have really good ears and they can learn really quickly by rote, but they still need to learn the music basics. They need a safe, friendly place to discover their voices, to learn about the language of music. They need play-based learning. Our classroom teachers know about play-based learning, how effective it is, how important it is. And our piano teachers know about this. They call it off-the-bench activities. Um, and, and they make lessons fun. They make lessons memorable. And the kids get comfortable. And we get to really explore quite complex um, concepts, but in a fun way. Now, I have uh, a student right now. Uh, he's six. No, he just turned seven. And he is a joy. I adore this boy. Now, um, his, the lessons that he had in the first four months have been very different from my slightly older students. We started with play-based activities so that I could assess his abilities. I was checking them out. And that he could have some fun. And what I discovered through all these games is that he is a confident little singer and he is really curious and he loves to be challenged. The more I challenge him, the more his eyes light up. Not every, not every child is like that. Sometimes when you challenge a, a young child, that can be a little threatening to them, but not this little guy. He loves it, and um, but he was not interested in singing any songs, not interested at all. No problem. Um, when I, when his mom signed him up for lessons, I had a conversation with him and I, with her. And I just said, you know, lessons for this age is a little different. We're going to do play-based learning. We're going to play some games. I'm going to get to know him. I'm going to make him comfortable. And when he's ready, we'll jump into songs. And she thought that was a great idea. And what's been really fun 
is after all these lessons that included music theory, listening games, tonic, sulfa activities, and we're going to talk about that in the next podcast, he was so comfortable with me and he was more than happy to learn several Christmas songs in the last couple of weeks. We did Go Tell It on the Mountain. We did Silent Night. We did um, We Wish You Merry Christmas. He loved We Wish You a Merry Christmas because he found the verse, um, So Bring Us Some Figgy Pudding. He thought that verse was hilarious. He thought that, uh, he, he said, you know, it's, it's kind of rude that the singers are demanding to get food. And he just thought that was hilarious. And I have to admit, yeah, you know, so bring us some figgy pudding. Anyhow, we had a lot of fun. But he told me when he was ready to sing the songs. And we've had so much fun. Now, if you are new to teaching, if you have only been teaching a little while, Facilitating a vocal curriculum, a piano curriculum, it can be very overwhelming. Um, And even for those of us who've been teaching for many years, and I'll be the first person to fess, uh, I have really good days in my studio with my students. The flow is perfect. The kids are having fun. I'm having fun. And I have days where my best laid plans get completely sidelined. You know, there's some awkwardness and we don't really accomplish much and it's kind of a little frustrating. Um, But then there are days where my best laid plans are completely sabotaged by something or, or something, one thing or another. And yet the lesson turns into a really great one, a really fantastic one where the student has that aha moment or they sing a song and it's just incredible. And that happens too. Again, we're talking about the flexibility of just rolling with the punches, going with the flow. Now, I want to jump into student-focused teaching. When I was talking to my colleagues, this conversation came up a lot. And um, there's so many things to consider when planning and working with individual students. Every student has a different learning style. And I've been to so many workshops about learning styles. Um, Every singer is experiencing their voices differently. That statement right there is so huge. How I experienced my voice, how you experience your voice, we've all, we all have a different relationship with it. Some of our young singers are fearless. They love to sing. They're comfortable with singing. They're comfortable trying new things. Some singers not so much. They're shy or maybe they have anxiety about singing in front of people. So do you give them the same exercises? Do you give them the same repertoire? No, you don't. You have to be thoughtful about that. Do you, do you even give them the same instructions? You might word things differently depending on the personality of the student. And this is really true for beginner students. Um, And if you are working with the kiddos 12 and under who are just discovering their voices and the language of music, we really need to be on their level watching them carefully. Now, the word mindful, I mean, it gets gets overused, but it's a really important word. Um, So watching your students listening to your students, really trying to figure them out so that we can give them the best that we have to offer. Now, here's the beauty. The beauty of private lessons is that we should be catering to the needs of the individual student. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? That's what I love about 
teaching private lessons. I, I prefer private lessons over classroom lessons. I mean, classroom lessons is different. The energy is different. Um, even when we were testing the full voice books, we did small groups, I think of like four or five students. And I did enjoy that. There's a different energy. But I love the one-on-one. I love giving a student my full attention. Now, yes, there are days where I get distracted and I try not to do that. But no one should slip through the cracks in private lessons. And for some of our students, we are the only one-on-one time that they get in their busy week of activities. So we have the, the privilege, we have the joy of teaching in a pace that is comfortable for them. And it should be comfortable for them. And you know that student who's progressing much slower than the rest of them? I think the question is, is that really a problem? We all have that student. You are thinking about that student right now. I know you are. But should we be frustrated with them? Should we be, you know, getting stern with them and giving them the, what are some people, the come to Jesus talk? Like, really? What if we change the focus of their lessons to accommodate their needs? If we are present and mindful, we can learn more about our singers and we will be able to cater to them successfully. Now, one of the things I think that is really important, and again, this is another divide against many teachers, is that if you are working with kids, you need to have an open door policy, especially for children under the age of 10. Parents should be in the lesson room. Children are not good communicators. They do not ask for help. And parents need to know what kind of support their kids need. And part of the lesson pacing with really young kids is getting to know the parents, getting the parents involved, giving the parents the opportunity to ask questions. Even if you just leave uh, time to recap the lesson and ask the parents, do you have any questions, any questions about what they should be working on? And I know some of you would like nothing more than if you never, ever, ever saw the face of a parent. They drop the kids off and the kids have a check for the entire year of teaching in their hands. You would be very, very happy. I think this is unfortunate. I think there are so many people, I'm going to say it, so many people on the online forums that have nothing nice to say about the people that they do business with. And I think this has a lot to do with their open door policy. We need parents to be involved. That's just a tip. And uh, a lot of my colleagues agree with that. Uh, Part of our job is educating moms and dads as well. And that is part of good lesson planning. Good lesson pacing is asking them questions, letting them see what we do, and sometimes including them in our games. I do that a lot with my little guy, my seven-year-old. His mom's in the room, and, you know, she, she sometimes gets involved, and we have fun, and that's really important. Now, formula for great Lesson pacing, okay? So this is just not really a formula. There is no formula. There's the formula. These are just an outline of some of the tips from my colleagues. They have some great ideas here about planning and lesson pacing. And I want to say a special thanks to my colleagues. And these are colleagues from uh, not just voice. Uh, Some of my colleagues teach voice and piano. Some of my colleagues are piano teachers. But a lot of these tips are... um, uh, they, they apply to not just young singers, but students of all ages. So the first 
uh, tip that I have from my colleagues is um, keep great lesson notes. Oh, I'm not good at keeping great lesson notes, but it's true. Um, when we keep good notes about our students, we can stay on track with our lesson planning. And this is tough for me. I'm really inconsistent. There are days where I'm like, I am going to keep good lesson notes, and I do. And then there are days where I'm so excited about working with my students, and we get into a song, and I forget. Um, but lesson notes and keeping good notes, you can do it either by hand or electronically. Um, I use my music staff and I know that there is a spot in that program to put lesson notes and repertoire notes and always a good plan. Um, the other tip was book yourself some good old lesson planning time uh, in your day. That's, that's I, something I actually like to do. I like to show up early to my studio, usually with a delightful coffee, um, at the beginning of my day and just kind of look over my day, think about my students, what are they working on, and make sure that I have my um, teaching materials ready, whether it's a songbook, whether it's a handout. Um, and, I, you know, I also like to kind of unwind at the end of the day and maybe just spend 20 minutes, half hour, just again, if I remember, write, writing down some notes and thinking about the day and what I have to do. So um, this is really important stuff. So lesson planning time. Now, uh, assess your students during the warm-up. Uh, what, what kind of mood are they in? Are they really excited? Are they a little hyper? Do they need to slow down? Well, then give them some writing activities. That'll, that'll kind of calm them down a little bit. Are they more lethargic? Have they had a bad day at school? Well, then get them moving. Get them, get them into their bodies. And this is also great. When you have lots of activities that you can do with your students, give them choices. Sometimes you can empower a student by letting them, giving them a little bit of control and letting them choose their activities. Now, the other one that's a really good um, thing to do, especially with young singers, is role reversal. Let them be the teacher and let them teach you. That I use with my shy students. When I want my shy students to come out of their shell, when I want them to relax a little bit, I say, okay, you're the boss now. And they might he be hesitant at first, but after a while, they really like being the boss. I think it empowers them. It gives them confidence. And uh, the other tip is use warm-up activities that are fun and educational. So tongue twisters. Tongue twisters are a lot of fun. It always makes them smile. Always makes them laugh. Tonic solfa, games and activities. There are so many of them, and we're going to get into this in the next podcast. But there are so many things that we can do that not just warm up their voices, but get them thinking and get them present. That is so important. When a student's engaged, they're going to be having fun. This is a really great tip, one that I am also very bad at. Less teacher talking and more singing. <laughs> I'm a chatty Kathy sometimes, uh, and I try not to do that. Uh, one of my older boys that I teach, he gets this glazed over look. He just kind of, I can see him. I can see the fog coming into his, into his line of vision. And I know that I'm talking to him too much. So let your singers sing as much as possible. Let them be active participants. Um, and then, uh, and if you are uh, talking to them, ask more questions and get them engaged in a conversation rather than a lecture. I think that is one of the best lesson pacing tips that is out there. And that's something I always have to work towards. If you are working on repertoire, 
find and you're or you're giving your student corrections. Focus on one, maybe two. Don't try to fix all the problems in one lesson. That's overwhelming. And let them sing repeatedly, applying the correction. And then, as I said before, leave time in your lessons for students and parents to ask questions. I think that is a good tip as well. And uh, one last one. Be careful about routines. Routines are really important. We need routines to kind of set the pace and get people comfortable. But know when to change things up. If you are doing the same exercises each and every week and your students are staring across the room and they're singing the vocal exercise and you ask them to change the vowel sound and nothing changes because they're not listening to you, they are mind, their mind is somewhere else, it's time to change things up. Keep them on their toes. So, student focused teaching. Watch them. Carefully engage with them. Cater to their needs and your lesson pacing will be right on key. <laughs> you see what I did there? Right on key. Hilarious. I love it when lessons come together. I love it when everything just flows. Um, I, I love seeing my students leave my studio with a big smile. I know that they're having fun. When they're having fun, they're learning. Now, I'm going to finish up here, but I want you to come back for our next podcast because we're getting into the more specific activities for our young singers. So, as always, happy singing, happy lesson pacing, and thanks for tuning into the Full Voice Podcast. You have been listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and free teacher resources, please visit our website at www.thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoemusic.ca <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together.